Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message from Pastor Blaine. Matthew chapter 5. Did I already say that? All right, good. When you peel back the layers of humanity's deepest desires, uh, it seems to me that the one thing we all have in common and the one thing that we're all seeking and desiring is peace. Now, we may call it lots and lots of things, and it, it may even come with, uh, with multiple you know, tentacles to it. But if you scale it back and peel all of the layers off, I think at the end of the day, what our heart's craving truly is, is peace. Now, we may not know it's peace. We may think it's money, or we may think it's a bigger house, or we may think that it's prestige, or we may think that it's influence, or we may think that it's relationship. But the reason we crave those things just behind that is we want to be someone. We want to have something. We're afraid of something. And if you peel that fear back, eventually you come to that, if I just had peace, if I just had peace, I would have everything that I want. I think it's the characteristic that we crave more than any other. In fact, I believe it's the pursuit of peace that gets us in the most trouble and by which we deal with the most darkness in our life. It's the pursuit of this will give me satisfaction or this will give me momentary comfort or this will give me some element of peace. It's those moments where we choose the wrong thing that we regret the most because our our chemicals in our brain are allowing us to override common sense, allowing us to be blinded to truth so that we will make bad decisions. And when we come to ourselves, we regret a whole lot of things that we do because of our sinful nature and its emotional, mental, and physical and spiritual consequences. We're often looking for relief, relief from our thoughts, relief from our ghosts. One of the most emotional scenes from the life of Jesus. He's about to begin his journey toward the cross and ultimately the tomb. Jesus is giving his last words of affirmation and teaching to the disciples. And he's informing them about the ministry of the Holy Spirit who will come just as he leaves. And in the middle of this promise of impending change and subsequent fear of the disciples, Jesus says this in John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. It seems that in a world where we talk about peace, the opposite of peace would be violence or would be war. But that's not the case. What Jesus tells us here is the opposite of peace is fear. It's fear. There are many things that we have to fear. Many things that we tell ourselves, I'm not enough. No one likes me. What if I don't fit in? I won't have enough. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. I'm all alone. Emptiness, poverty, being a victim, betrayal, on and on. 
And we work hard to circumvent those fears and to add props up in our lives so that we maybe they're not as intense just so we can get through a day. But sadly, things that we often pursue bring us to more darkness. Bad relationships, greed, excess, alcohol addiction, drug addiction, illicit sex, bad thinking, corrupt thoughts. These things will never, ever bring about peace. And at some point we say, I don't really, I can't afford peace. Peace isn't for me. If I could just numb myself to the pain. Jesus says that there are two types of peace. There is the peace that the world offers and there's his peace. I think part of learning Jesus is learning to tell the difference. When Jesus in John 14 says, my peace I leave with you, not the peace that the world gives you. That peace that the world gives you, that's our best idea. Those are our remedies. And it's momentary and it doesn't last long. All it does really is it proves that that it's not real peace and it digs us into a deeper hole. In this particular John chapter 14 passage where Jesus is introducing them to the Holy Spirit and his ministry, we realize that Jesus is not introducing them to peace. He's introducing them to a person because he is telling them, my peace will I leave with you. And then he tells them he's actually leaving them the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that peace. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Paul tells us that Jesus is our peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Jesus here is referring to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give you peace. In fact, peace is one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It comes as a result of having the Holy Spirit live in us. So peace cannot be circumstantial. It cannot be situational. You can't move from peace to fear in and out depending upon your mood, your emotion, the situation, the feeling, the tension of the room, the culture of society. God's people can't move in and out of peace, not if the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Peace is proof that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. It's no wonder though that the church has lost its testimony in this world because the church looks just like the fearful, nervous nation. In fact, in a lot of ways, we propagate it. What Jesus says is peace can't be an option like fear and anxiety. And you can experience the very worst that life has to offer and still be at peace. In fact, when the world sees you going through the darkest difficulties, it's much more of a testimony of the Holy Spirit's work than when you always get what you want, which is what most of us want. We have a greater testimony during dark days of God's abiding peace within us. 
So the peace that Jesus offers, he goes on, Paul does, to say that it's a peace that passes understanding. It's a peace that doesn't make sense. It's a peace that the carnal mind looks at and says, that, that's not the natural result of your circumstance. Unlike the beatitudes that we've already looked at, poverty in spirit, mourning our sin, you know, humility, seeking after righteousness, purity. These are our responsibility. Those are, those are the things that God has given the free will of men to pursue those things, to recognize those things and make right, rational decisions to believe Jesus and to pursue those things. But here Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. But peace is actually a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So he's not telling us to manufacture some false peace. He's telling us to tap into the work of the Holy Spirit. So anytime that we're not tapping into the work of the Holy Spirit's work in our life, we're trying to manufacture some false peace that Jesus says, I don't give. Trying to make people feel better about themselves and give them a false peace. Tell them things they want to hear that just kind of gets them off the ledge for a moment. That's not what we're called to offer. So here, we find that his peace is a gift from him to us. But it moves, we've got to get out of the mentality, and I think maybe this is generational. We've got to get out of the mentality that what God offers, he offers to us. We've got to stop that linear thinking. What God offers, he doesn't offer to us. He offers through us. We are channels of that. That's why he doesn't say peacekeepers. He says peacemakers. Because as we receive peace, our calling isn't just to receive peace. Our calling is to give peace. It's to make peace. But you can't make peace if you don't have peace. That's why today we're starting with having peace. What does real peace look like? Because I can tell you, if you have real peace, making peace is a byproduct of it. We don't have to work on how do I make peace? How do I make peace? I just let the Holy Spirit work within me because I am at peace. So we move from having peace to, pe to being a peace dispenser. Not, it's not Pez dispenser. That's what a lot of Christians act like, but a peace dispenser. Philippians chapter 4, I'm getting to Matthew 5 in just a moment. In Philippians chapter 4, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the what? Peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Remember last week, your hearts is the totality of a person. It's everything that you are, everything you feel, everything you think, everything you do. It's the character of a person. But he also says not only your heart, but also your mind. That's our greatest enemy to peace, is the things we tell ourselves and the things that we believe. In verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, he's talking about the mind now, right? Whatever things there is, is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. 
what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be what? With you. Paul is actually telling the church at uh, Philippi two things. You first must have the peace of, uh, with God and then you can have the peace of God. When you have peace with God, peace of God is a result. Once I know that I'm in a right relationship with Jesus Christ, that right relationship with Jesus Christ comes out of me. It's like his reflection, not mine. But first, we must make sure that we're tapped into the person of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of Jesus Christ. For us to be able to be peacemakers, we must first be at peace. Real peace belongs to God. There is no peace apart from Him. Peace with God comes to us spiritually. That puts me in a right relationship with God. Once I'm in a right relationship with God, I'm able to see His kingdom from here. I'm able to inherit the earth from here. I'm able to be uh, uh, merciful from here. I'm hungering and thirsting after the person of Jesus Christ and His righteousness from here. It changes everything about me spiritually. But here, it begins to pass through me. Up until this moment, it's all been about me receiving. But now it's about me giving away. This is how we know that this is the moment of true transformation. The peace of God comes to us emotionally. So because I know I'm in a right relationship with Him, it begins to to filter and color every circumstance of my life. You can fear if you want. But he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You can be anxious if you want. But it does not come naturally out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. What comes naturally from him is his peace. So when you are, for those of you who are worry warts, when you are worried, When you are anxious, when you are nervous, when you are fearful, it's just because you got your mind in the wrong place. You got your mind in the wrong place. And in those moments of difficulty, in those circumstantial moments of, I don't know what to do, the world can see most clearly what you are made up of, what you are made from. So in our greatest opportunities to manifest his peace, we often are so self-absorbed in our own moment. Boy, that's probably the hardest part of Christianity is when I am on edge not to be on edge. But you cannot wait till that moment till you feel the edge to decide, you know what, I should be at peace. (laughs) We must live at peace and then a whole lot of our circumstances don't even really exist because we don't even notice them because we're so focused on peacemaking. So peacemaking is a byproduct of being at peace. I think it's, I've already said this, but I do think that it's one of the 
reasons why the church has become so ineffective at bringing peace to the world. I mean, you look around the world, you look around our country right now. I don't know of anyone who would say, I think that's a pretty good definition of peace. No, because the church, because we've been so information attract, uh, and, and attractional as churches, you know, be like us, be like us, be like us, instead of outwardly focused on showing the world what that looks like lived out day to day, we've become more concerned about being right in our arguments because right wins, right? If you're right, you win. Not true today. You can be right today and lose But you know what's always been true? Peace. It's what attracted people to Jesus, even though he was only always right. But when he would talk about what was right, they were repelled by him. But when he offered peace, they were attracted to him. And the more they were attracted to him, the more they would listen to what he had to say. But if in every conversation you're demanding to be right, you're going to keep repelling people and still be right. But you will not make a difference. For the kingdom of God. I am not saying that we should forfeit being right. I am saying that when the apostle Paul preached to the Greeks of Athens, he didn't settle with being right. But they walked away and scratched their head and say, we'll hear you again on this matter because of his peaceful way of demonstrating the life of Jesus Christ. They would come week after week after week, and we're sitting here because they sat there. But it was peace. Listen, lest you forget, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance, Paul said. Not the baseball bat over the head. You'll get temporary peace but it won't stick right never wins people people win people character wins people I have heard so many young people throughout the years say and pardon me a little bit for saying this out loud but I can explain prayer away. I can explain miracles away. I can explain experiences away. I can explain Jesus away. I can explain the truth of God's word away. But the thing I cannot explain away is the character change in God's people. I don't know what to do with that. Everything else I could trash. But I can't explain the transformation in that person. This is what we're talking about right here today. That's why Jesus doesn't screech with angels across the sky and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He uses you in your cubicle to do that because your life, there is no greater testimony than your life. Your life, not your truth. But when your character is the character of Christ, that's what's attractional to people and they'll move in. What is it that brought you to this place? You ever had people walk in a room and you just felt different because their presence was there? That's what Jesus was able to do. That's what Jesus is giving us here. What the world needs, everyone's need, is to be at peace. Not to have the answers to the questions. So if we can reveal lasting eternal peace... We become more attractional than we've ever looked. 
See, that's the weak way out. Jesus' kingdom's flipped upside down. The, the strong don't win. The ability to, to make peace today is just such a rarity. I mean, again, I don't want to harp on all this stuff. It's so easy. It's never been easier to preach than it is right now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean in this moment. I mean, there's so many proofs of the lostness of people. But I think we're settling for the wrong arguments right now. We're trying to convince people of the wrong things. We're not showing a better way, which is the whole point of the book of Hebrews. A better way. What lies at the root of every division? If people have their way, <laughs> they think they will be at peace. But, but notice that. I mean, and I don't want to be, I don't want to be super specific. But you can insert issue here. But there is so much division right now. I mean, if you were to look at whether it's race or money or politics or sickness or science or whatever, insert it. It doesn't matter. There's division right now and it's obvious everywhere you go. And you look at somebody over one issue and you say, oh, those are my people. And you join up with them until you have another discussion about an issue and you find out, of, oh, no, those are my people. And we just bounce from people to people. We think we're safe until you start talking about race and you think you're safe until you start talking about masks and you think you're safe until you start talking about politics and you find out, you know what? There's no wonder I feel lonely. It's wrong. Well, why do we keep falling for the bait? That's not the conversation, folks. Peace of Jesus Christ is the conversation. There's never been a greater time in the history of America to reveal the peace. Everyone knows they're broken right now. So if this group gets the way they want it, we'll be at peace. Yeah, except for everybody you beat up. Well, this group thinks if everybody would see it my way, I'll be at peace. Yeah, how selfish is that? It's not real peace. It's artificial peace. But the peace that God offers isn't only good for the issue. It's eternal. Lasts forever and ever. It's perfect peace. Listen to this in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. This is perhaps the least contentious beatitude in all the beatitudes that we're going to study in all of Matthew chapter 5. I think it's least contentious because everybody wants it. But the bad news is everybody wants to just jump in right in the middle. But as we've already seen, you can't jump in the middle of this passage you got to start on the front end. What is the front end? The front end is you've got to recognize you've got nothing to offer God. You can't start talking about peace and just jump in the peace of God. You've got to have the peace of God first, peace with God first. How do I have the peace with God? Poverty of spirit, mourning my sin, hunger and thirst after righteousness. I have to be humble. I have to be selfless. I have to be merciful. Then all of these things produce a pure in heart. It's the pure heart that is able to be a peacemaker. That's how you know it's eternal when you've stepped on all the rungs of the ladder. 
And I'm afraid there's a lot of Christians who think they've stepped on all the rungs of the ladder, but they may not have peace with God. If you don't have peace with God, you cannot produce the peace of God. Think about all the war that took place. Something that's not mentioned here, and it's probably not even necessary to mention it here. But there were 400 years where Israel did not hear from God. From the time of Malachi all the way to the time of John the Baptist. John the Baptist's voice was the first one they heard. The, the next prophet. John the Baptist wasn't the first guy of the New Testament. He was the last guy of the Old Testament. There were 400 years between Malachi and John the Baptist. During that 400 years, there were five wars just in Jerusalem to try, trying to take over Jerusalem. In 400 years. Can you imagine going through five major wars in 400 years? So when Jesus is stepping up, the Romans, the Jews, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all of them were expecting this military hero to come in and win Jerusalem back. There'll be no more war. And here he is, the one claiming to be the Messiah. John the Baptist says, the, the one whom I'm not even qualified to unloose his sandals. And what does he say? Peace. In fact, Jesus goes on to say later, when you hear the world say peace, <laughs> you better be ready because it's coming, war's coming. Wait a minute. Jesus, Jesus is saying that the kingdom can be seen by peace? It's no wonder it sounded so silly. In James chapter 4, he says, what causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within your heart? Right. You desire, you don't have, so you murder. You covet, cannot obtain, you fight, you quarrel. You don't have because you don't ask. You ask and you don't receive because you're wrong. You ask wrongly because you want to spend it on your passions. That's selfishness. We dealt with that way back early on in the Beatitudes. What James is saying in James chapter 4 is, do you want to know where all the tension of the world comes from? Your selfish heart. Now, you're terrible at deciding and deciphering your own heart. Jeremiah already told us that. We're not, we can say, oh yeah, well, my heart was pure. Nah, it wasn't. We're just terrible at gauging it. Because you can't have a pure heart without being in a relationship with Jesus Christ and, and not being self. That's what uh, James is saying here. It's selfishness. In fact, this word passion, some of you may be acquainted with this word in uh, Greek, is the word hedonist. Right? It's where we get our word hedonism. Raw selfishness is what it means. Pure, unadulterated selfishness. So here's what he says. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And he says, you, you know, you, you should weep and you should mourn. 
Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. What James is saying is, I remember Jesus one time teaching and here's what he said. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. I mean, James is giving us the Beatitudes right here in response to where are their divisions? Why isn't there peace? Because of me. I'm not at peace because of me, but what's the one thing I want? Peace. Wait a minute, do you see the problem? So our peace problem is a heart problem. It's not a circumstance problem. So get your eyes off your circumstances. Quit bailing yourself out. These are just excuses not to have to deal with your own heart. Well, ah, 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 ah. No, those are not your problems. Because Jesus promised peace in the middle of those problems. So if you're not at peace, it's because your eyes aren't on Jesus. Your eyes are on you. So quit blaming your problems. Quit blaming your circumstances. Quit blaming your upbringing. Quit blaming your economy. Quit blaming your society. Quit blaming your friends. Quit blaming your relationships. The problem we have, the reason we have tension in our life is because our heart, because Jesus promised peace in the middle of the worst uh, that, that life has to offer us. So we can't just jump in to peace. Peace is a product that is developed in us. So what are the blessings? I, I think it's important to notice that for every, and I'm almost finished, so just, just another moment of patience. I think it's important to see when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit or those who realize they have nothing to offer God, what is, what is the blessing? He says you're blessed, but then he tells you the blessing. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those that mourn. Okay, well, I'm blessed, but with what? Comfort. Blessed are the meek. What is the blessing for the meek? Inherit the earth, right? For every blessed there is, we get what the benefit is. What is the benefit here? They will be called sons of God. We move from benefits to identity. This is so significant. From what I can have to who I am. It's everything. Everything we're longing for. So, in Scripture, there are four people only, four entities that are known or called sons of God. The first is Adam. Well, kind of. Adam's the first, but in Luke chapter 3 in the genealogy, when Luke gives all of the, uh, the genealogy of Jesus, he gets all the way back to Adam and says, the son of God. That's significant. We know that Adam was made in the image and likeness of God. The second entity that we find in scripture is the angels. Throughout the book of Psalms, the Bible calls angels the sons of God. In Job chapter 1 and chapter 2, the Bible is very, very clear that angels are called sons of God there. Throughout most of the New Testament, dozens of times, at Jesus' baptism, the transfiguration, and many times, dozens, Jesus is called the son of God. 
So those are three. Adam, angels, Jesus. All three of these have one thing in common. And that is they were directly created by God's own hand. Adam, God's the, the Father's plan. Jesus formed him out of the dust of the earth. The Holy Spirit breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And he became a living being, a son of God. But in, Ge in Genesis chapter 5, when Adam and Eve began to have kids, it says they were made in the image and likeness of Adam, the son of Adam. That's why C.S. Lewis uses son of Adam so often, because we are not sons of God. The angels directly created by God himself. Jesus, lest we forget, conceived of the Holy Spirit in Mary, created directly in the flesh by God's own hand. And here, for those that are peacemakers, for those who have experienced all of the benefits of the kingdom, because of their relationship to themselves and to the Lord. To those who have experienced all of that into themselves. For those who are willing to give that away to the world around them. They too can be called the sons of God. In John chapter 1 verse 12 it says to those who received him and believed in him. He gave them the right to be called. Anybody know? the sons of God. Here, we, new believers who are born again, when the Father said, it's not my will that they perish, but that they may have everlasting life. And Jesus said, I will form them with my own hand spiritually. I will make the way. And when he left, he gave us the Holy Spirit. And when we make a decision to confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we receive the Holy Spirit and... <sighs> We're born again. And everything that Jesus has for us, we have. And everything that he gives us, we give away. That's why we have been directly created by God himself. But if you still want to live in the old creation, fear, panic, anxiety, nervousness, tension, war, because we keep looking at our circumstances and our problem. And when we do that, you may come up with the correct solution to your problem. But it will not apply peace to a person's life. But there is another life that God gives us. And that is the life he commands us to live in. We cannot give peace if we do not have peace. We cannot just jump into peace because of difficulty in our lives. But peace is a stable condition where we have reminded ourselves and thought about the right things and known who our identity is in. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. This is a constant reminder throughout Scripture because we are so quick to forget who we are and when we forget who we are, we forget whose we are. And that's the voice that the world needs today. They need people of peace. People who have peace. People who know peace. This is why the moment Jesus was born, the angel said, 
good tidings of great joy, which shall be to who? All people. Peace. Goodwill. Toward men. Toward. Not to. Toward. If I give something to you, that's direct conveyance. If I give something toward you, it's an opportunity. You can get it if you want it. What God offers humanity in the form of Jesus and by virtue his life and subsequent ministry of the Holy Spirit is toward us. It's an invitation. It's an invitation. You can have peace, but if you have it, you have to give it away. That's how you know it's real. That's how you know it's real is that we walk in peace. I'd like for you to close your eyes for a moment. Let's try to be still. I know it's a, we're tired and ready to go. And I don't do this very often. I haven't done it uh, even recently. But if you're here this morning and your life is not at peace, you're not necessarily struggling, but the peace that Jesus talks about, you know, does not belong to you. And is not flowing through you. I'm not going to call your name. I'm not going to come to you. We're not going to embarrass you in any way. But would you just say, Pastor, I'd love to know that you're praying for me to be able to navigate these days in a way. I want to be a peacemaker. But first I recognize I'm not at peace. I'm not at peace with God and I don't have the peace of God. Would you be so courageous to just slip your hand up and just let me see so that I can know how to pray. I see hands all over the place. So what I want to do is, as I'd like for us, just all of us to stand. And I don't think peace is a mystery. I don't think it's, I don't think it's complicated. I, I think sometimes it's like, oh, I'm... You know, I'm not at peace right now, so maybe I'm not a Christian. No, 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 no. I, we're not doing that. Uh, peace is a choice, just like all these others, but it's also a fruit. So if we're willing to choose peace, I believe we can choose to think the right thoughts that will begin to allow the Holy Spirit to move in our life. But, but deciding to follow Jesus' invitation, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know, you're not walking with him. You've not said yes. You've not given him your darkness and allowed him to give you his light. I want to invite you. I'm going to be right down here this morning. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, I want to be able to pray with you this morning and show you how to do that. So don't leave here this morning before that takes place. Everything else is secondary to that decision. But Christian, if you're here this morning and you know that you've become so overwhelmed with the things, it is so easy, so easy to get distracted in this world. And so I want to encourage you. Let's take those thoughts captive to Christ and ask him to saturate us with his peace so that we can be at peace and give peace. We want to be called the sons of God. I want when people see me, I want them to know that I belong to him. I want, I want when I look in the mirror, I want it to be proverbially the reflection of God. 
When he sees me, I want him to see his son. What a gift to give us. And even better, what a gift he has given the world, us, in our testimony of transformation. Lord, this morning we love you and we are so grateful that you're a giver. We're so grateful that your your son made our peace. And I ask this morning, Lord, that we would learn obedience. That instead of anxiety and worry and defeat and doubt and fear, that we would put on peace and I think of even the armor of our warfare You know, your, your word says that our feet are shod with the gospel of peace because where we walk we're taking peace so help us to see the possibility and then help us live in the reality of that but Lord help us not to just step on to rung six or seven Help us to work through so that it comes out of our character, not just out of our circumstance. And that it's your character, not just our advice. And we thank you for allowing us to be at peace with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Just as you're dismissed, a couple of things. If if you want to talk with me about receiving Jesus, I'm going to be right down here. Please don't forget to meet Blake just in your car. It's just going to be a processional. And uh, don't worry about having to wait three or four or five minutes to get started. We're going to kind of wait for people to line up and then uh, just get behind the next person and just be neighborly this morning and, and love, love a man who likes to see a smiling face. All right, you are dismissed. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.